Hi, it's Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you love digging into the week's political headlines, subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our reporters take you behind the scenes of some of the biggest stories from the campaign trail to the halls of Congress. Just for our Inside the Hive listeners, save 15% on a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair with promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off one year of all you can read, watch, and hear. We are, apparently this is called The Bar at uh, Condé Nast. So Bess, Bess doesn't actually really order coffee. Bess orders milk that has coffee in it. You know, we love just get, getting a coffee and talking about terrible, terrible people. Can I just have a small coffee um, with a splash of regular milk? Yeah. I'll do the same. Same exact thing? Mm-hmm. Tap when you're ready, please, guys. Okay. So I am based in D.C., and when I'm on the Hill, it's very bizarre to actually see these individuals, to see Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. Like, it seems as though they're... You don't think of them as real people. You just think of them as awful collection of traits. But they're real people who have awful collections of traits. Yeah. And they, like, walk and talk and It's like, it's like seeing, yeah. No, I was going to say it's like seeing your, like, teacher, like, at the grocery store, but it's not. That's just, like, out of context. This is just, like, seeing them in human form, 3D. Yeah. I think they are so outlandish and ridiculous that you just assume that they don't truly exist. But they do. Shockingly so. Welcome to Inside the Hive at Vanity Fair. Over the next couple of weeks, we're trying something new. It's going to be a little bit of an experiment. Uh, And this is one of the first episodes of this experiment that is underway now. I'm Abigail Tracy, and I'm in the studio today with my colleague and friend, Bess Levin. Uh, Bess, should we try to introduce one another? Oh, yeah. How does that sound? Yeah, I'll introduce you. You intro me. I like that. So, Abigail Tracy... Abigail Flynn Tracy, for formality, (laughs) is the national political reporter for Vanity Fair. She covers the people and powers that shape the country's politics. Yes, yes, I do. So, Bess Levin is a politics correspondent at Vanity Fair, and her bio aptly reads, she's an incisive, hilarious daily narrator of the horrors that never seem to stop. If you need catharsis in these terrifying times, or even if you don't, she's a must-read. Did did you write that, I, I didn't. You didn't? I did not, but apparently I inspired that description. And I also really like the way you read it. It sounded like it was like the coming attraction for a movie <laughs> or something. Well, I feel like, you know, it's, yours reads like the back of a book. You know what yeah, I'm saying? That's what it, like yeah, re- that's what it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I was going for. Yeah. Um, we can jazz yours up for next time. Yeah, now I'm kind of like, maybe I need to edit my bio. <laughs> yeah. Get a little funkier. So this week, big week, we got a lot of big topics right. now that, you know, Congress is actually happening. <laughs> In now that we session. Have, that the House finally has a speaker. Yeah. Um, so what I want to talk about is what Republicans have been up to in the House of Representatives. So specifically what I would love to discuss with you is what we're seeing in terms of the committees. Right. And there's a lot of individuals who are going to be wielding a strange amount of power right. um, from the House of Representatives. So I just would love to chat about that, really get your thoughts on, you know, 
who is assigned to which committees and what we can expect to see from them. Um, I think it's really important to looking forward as to, you know, what is going to come next. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we are going to discuss one of your your favorite characters, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Oh, God. Uh, yes, yes. From the Golden State? No, oh, yes. Florida Sunshine State. Sunshine State, yeah. So let's start. Let's dive into the House stuff, our conversation around Republicans. My question for you also is that usually these committees come up with legislation. They, mm -hmm. you know, they're sort of the first stop in in bill making and and then ultimately lawmaking. Are any is any legislation going to get passed in these two years? So, <laughs> a short answer. I think no, right. um, because right which now, is crazy. Yeah, I I think. You know, obviously, Democrats widen their margin, actually, over in the Senate. Right. And then you have Joe Biden in the White House with the power of the pen for right. veto. Right. And the Republicans themselves, you know, sure, they're in the majority in the House, but their majority is so slim. Right. And if the speaker vote was a portent for anything, it would be that they are not even going to be able to get their own shit together. <laughs> like, right. I just don't even, you know, there's already these very clear fissures within the Republican caucus at this time that I find it very hard to picture, envision scenarios wherein they can get, you know, everybody in line and even pass legislation out of the House right. with the numbers that they have right now. Right. If we see any legislation, and we have seen some, some have, um, some bills have already passed the House, yeah. but really what you're seeing is messaging bills. Right. But yes, it's all, it's all, Messaging, theater, um, exactly. Not, not marketing, PR. <laughs> there's not really going to be. I think the next two years is going to be sort of like a governance dead zone, right? Um, but what we are going to see a lot of is these investigations because yeah. that is the real power that Republicans have right now. Given what we're seeing, it's in really terms the of, only power they have. Yeah, given what we're seeing, you know, obviously with the Senate and the White House, as I said, like those are bulwarks against anything else right. they can really do, right? But they do have the power to investigate, the power yeah. to subpoena, the power to call people before these committees. Already into this Congress, McCarthy has basically reportedly given the directive to Republicans to treat every committee like the Oversight Committee. Right. So he effectively just wants to turn the whole body of government into a investigatory body into right. Joe Biden. Right. So not only is he weaponizing all the committees, sure. but he also created a new one, the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. So stupid. Yeah. So I would argue that they are weaponizing the federal government by creating this subcommittee on the weaponizations. Yeah. So with all that in mind, what what do you think McCarthy's priorities are? Just like <laughs> what do you think he's doing? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think McCarthy's personal priority is just to cling to this small shred, very, very tiny shred of power he has, right? I don't think he seems to be one of these people that doesn't have any like particular ideology correct me if i'm wrong he um you know i don't think i don't think anything really like gets him up in the morning yeah. like oh i want to help the children i want right, to help right, right, right. troops i want to help this you know he just he's a pure he's a weather vane. politician oh, yeah. weather vane exactly so what back to your question i don't <laughs> think he i think personally he doesn't really have any priorities but if there is a goal that they can accomplish will 
perhaps be able to damage Biden going into the next election. Yeah, of course, it's a show. Sure. So, like, who are, like, your favorite characters <laughs> in the show to like, talk about, to write about? Like, who are basically the clowns that you're putting in your car? Let's not use the word favorite, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but, you know, as as I referenced before, you have these people who are— it's a situation of the inmates running the asylum, and that almost gives them too much credit. You've got Jim Jordan, um, who was previously a wrestling coach, and that's just kind of like <laughs> what he still seems like. He, he is does. on oversight, and he's the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Right. <laughs> he, that is fucking crazy. You've got Matt Gates. He's also on judiciary and armed services. His big thing with armed services last term, I believe, he had like multiple hearings where he was going after like the top military people about, you know, the culture of wokeism, like infecting the military. And they were like, basically, in so many words, they were like, bitch. <laughs> Step off. Um, and then, yeah, Scott Perry, he's the Freedom uh, Caucus chairman. He is on Transportation and Infrastructure and the Committee on Foreign Affairs. Just a little, you know, I feel like people... They're totally going to investigate Buttigieg. Right. Oh, totally. Totally. For like taking paternity leave. That's exactly. like their big thing on him. Right. They they love to bring up that he took paternity leave because he was afforded it. And Oh, and they also, you know, they hate that he rides a bike. Because that's just, in America, we don't ride bikes. So weird. But can I... He for sure wears a helmet, though. I bet he for sure wears a helmet. Yeah, and you know what? Do you, no. know, do you know this about me? No. When I see people riding bikes without helmets, whether they're kids or adults, I get so angry. It is so infuriating to me when people don't wear helmets because, one, it's either laziness or vanity. And it's so stupid. You're looking at me right now like you're going to tell me that you don't wear a helmet. No, no, no. I absolutely wear a helmet because you know that I'm one of the more accident-prone individuals you that are. you know. And I've actually broken helmets. And it saves many people's lives. Same thing when people don't wear seatbelts. It's yeah. so stupid. Did you know that you don't need to wear a seatbelt in New Hampshire? Live free or die. Well, <laughs> okay. <then laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, yes, they're definitely going to investigate um, the transportation secretary, Scott Perry, I feel like he doesn't, um, people don't talk about him as much as the other people we've mentioned, but like just a little backstory on him. He refused to formally condemn QAnon. He voted against congressional medals for the January 6th law enforcement people. When By people, I mean the law enforcement agents <laughs> that protected the Capitol and the lawmakers on the January 6th. Um, he wanted to overturn the election with Trump. He is bad news. And now you might say, okay, transportation, who really cares? And, you know, we all care. It's a lesser committee. But it's also on foreign affairs. It's just these are the people you don't want on these committees. And then I believe Marjorie Taylor Greene, big time anti anti-vaxxer, anti what's she gonna investigate? Also, did you see her tweet the other day? It was like, does this is horrible, and I almost feel so ridiculous that I even have to say these words oh. on a podcast. This isn't word for word, okay. verbatim, by okay. any means, but this is the gist of her tweet. Okay. She basically said, you really think like that piece of fabric 
over your mouth is like protecting you. Like <laughs> when you fart, does what? your underwear stop it? What? And I was like, I was like, I can't believe that this is a member. I miss that. Of oh man. So yes, so that was a tweet. I don't think we're we're working with the best of the brightest of the bunch here. No, certainly not. Um, they're very dull knives in the drawer or whatever. So that yeah. Is. So this collection of people, Kevin McCarthy has basically said you can all investigate all this stuff. They're obviously top thing is investigating Hunter Biden and trying to create a link between his business dealings and his dad. I read the other day that they're also um, they they're going to look into his art sales. I don't know if you remember this. He's gotten into painting and they're like, well, there could be something there. So let's let's check that out. Wait, like he's painting or he's into buying paintings? No, no, no. He paints. He's an oh. artist. I wonder who's better at painting, Hunter or Biden Bush. or George Bush. Were you thinking I think the they same? do very different things. Yeah. I think Hunter Biden's is more abstract. Okay. Where George Bush is, you know, these portraits of like, these like soldiers that he was responsible for like, their legs being blown yeah. off. Things it's like just that. a... Yeah. So they're going to go hard on Hunter Biden. Um, They're never going to stop holding hearings on Hunter Biden. They're going to go hard on Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, because border, border, border is just their thing. Um, I love when I feel like this is a this is a regularly occurring feature trend, whatever you want to say. One of these people or any Republican will say they stopped 50,000 pounds of fentanyl coming across the border last month or something. And it'll supposed to, it's supposed to be like an indictment of Biden. And then people will be like, so you mean they did their jobs? Like they stopped the right. drugs from coming into the country? Yeah. Um, so, you know, they... It's, it's going to be such a, sh- a shit show. A shit show. And it's just, it's going to be painful. Yeah. And then the Fauci stuff. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna drag him in and it's gonna be, you know, why did you insert chips into people's brains when you created COVID in a lab and then killed a bunch of dogs? Yes. Yes. And answer answer that question, Dr. <laughs> Fauci. Absolutely. And so, okay, now we've covered the Republicans on committees. Let's talk about a very specific Republican, not on committees. <laughs> yes, the yes. The gift that keeps giving, Mr. Mr. George, George Santos. Santos, also possibly known to people <laughs> if you knew him a few years ago as Anthony DeVolder because he used to go by that name. He was actually given two committee assignments. One was small business, which is funny Hilarious. because he worked for a company that was accused by the SEC of being a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> Among other things. Oh, right. So yesterday, it it was reported and then confirmed by him and other people that he had told Kevin McCarthy that he was going to temporarily step aside, recuse himself from sitting on these assignments until he can clear, clear things up. <laughs> so I just feel like that, 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 um, raises more questions than it answers. I I, just, I think he knows something something else. Another shoe's going to drop. I think he either thinks if he steps aside it'll maybe take the heat off of he's, you know, being investigated by multiple prosecutorial bodies. So yeah. maybe he thinks that they'll, you know, lay off him or he knows that 
like one because we definitely haven't heard of all the lies that he's told. Right. He's been telling lies well, for decades. And there is potential criminal liability sure. around the a lot of the campaign, campaign finance. finance stuff. Yeah. So like those are real crime. Like he's not gonna get <laughs> like he's not gonna get busted because, because he didn't play volleyball. Right. But but maybe Baruch should sue him <laughs> yeah, for, for defamation yeah. <laughs> of their volleyball team. Don't even come for our volleyball team. I just How like dare you, sir. Did right. you see he changed his look yesterday? He did. No glasses. No sweater. No sweater. Yes, he's been a big sweater under blazer guy. I actually think he looks shadier now with the new with the new look. The the glasses made him look kind of like a like a friendly cartoon character. Right. I mean, he also looked exactly like the character in Veep um, who works for the Republican congressman. He does. Oh, my gosh. Yes, 100 percent. To kind of circle back on it, what do you think is the point of all of these committee assignments and these committees? I think some of them believe they will dig up evidence of wrongdoing, illegality, whatever it is Mm -hmm. about Democrats. Will that happen? I mean, it doesn't necessarily seem so because their conspiracies, many of them seem unfounded. But I think the whole point is to damage Joe Biden and damage Democrats Mm -hmm. leading up to the 2024 election. Right. And do you think the, I don't even really want to mention it, but we have to, the Benghazi hearings, do you think that these future ones will be informed by what happened then? What we know (laughs) is that Benghazi cost millions and millions of dollars, wasted so much (laughs) taxpayer money. Nothing came from it. They know there were no real, you know, personal responsibility tied to uh, Obama or Hillary Clinton Uh regarding the attack on the embassy. Like nothing came from it. And I do think like what we're going to see is, yes, something very similar to a Benghazi 2.0. Right. And – in all ways, right? Like, I think we're going to see these long hearings. They're going to bring forward every, you know, quote unquote, like Democratic boogeyman that they right. can, and they're not going to get anything. Right. You know, it's going to just be, once again, you know, an investigation for the sole purpose of being an investigation without, you know, right. really it getting anything from presumably, it. will presumably, though, be a painful cycle of these, these hearings, and then it's going to be on Fox News, and then it's just going to... You know, exactly. keep going. Exactly. That horrible and, little ecosystem. And I'm sure we're going to get some, you know, Fauci memes in the vein of oh, the yeah. Hillary Clinton memes Big that we time. got out of Benghazi. Right. So, yeah, it's just going to be, it's going to be brutal. Yeah. And, you know, I already, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was actually talking to Democrats about it, you know, sort of knowing, they know, they mm-hmm. know that this is what they're going to yeah. see from their Republican colleagues. Right. And I asked them, I was like, okay, how are you going to sort of push, like, counter-message against these investigations? And really their response was, like, just keep reminding people that this is a waste of time. And that's really going to be what Democrats are going to do. And I think they are going to likely bring up Benghazi. I think it's such a prime example of, you know— you know, a waste of time, yeah. waste of money, um, you know, that, again, didn't really amount to anything at right. all. Right. And so Democrats, I think they're going to be pulling from that playbook almost, you know, looking back at Benghazi as an example of what Republicans shouldn't be doing. Right. And yet are doing. Obviously, yes. And I think that will be the big challenge for Democrats who historically have not been good at messaging. They... they 
historically have not been good at that. So that will be the challenge. Yeah. And I think like one other challenge, and this is sort of ongoing, is when you think about the misinformation, the disinformation that is likely to come out of this. I think, as you said, you know, we're going to see wall-to-wall coverage of this on mm-hmm. on Fox News and other conservative networks, most likely. And Democrats are going to have to really work hard to sort of cut through to get these messages, like, to kind of infiltrate other right. parts of right. the media ecosystem. Right. Again, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Fingers you know? crossed. There's some young members now, you know. Yeah. Democrats are getting younger. Social media, savvy. Yeah. Maybe they'll start doing TikToks. Right. I don't know. <laughs> Inside the Hive will be back in just a moment. The 2024 election means this year is going to be chock full of drama and nail-biting suspense. You deserve a politics and news podcast with expert analysis. No spin, no BS, just trusted journalists talking about what you need to know. I'm David Plotz, and each week on Slate's Political Gab Fest, I sit down with the New York Times' Emily Bazelon and CBS News' John Dickerson to do just that. Join us as we unpack the latest in politics, news, and the courts. Listen to the Political Gab Fest every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk about your boy, oh God. Florida Governor <laughs> Ron DeSantis. So oh. he's been in the news a lot lately. He has. Um, tell us why. You know, obviously he has this war against wokeness. Sure. Talk to me about, about that. What does that entail? So what is the purpose? <laughs> so um, one of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's favorite mottos is Florida is where woke goes to die. Now, (laughs) what does this mean? Woke is now a catch-all for anything that Republicans don't like. It could be M&M's getting a new look. It could be diversity and inclusion programs. It could be... It could truly be anything, Abby. Really, it could truly be anything. If they don't like it, they say it's woke and they say it's the Democrats' fault. So um, Governor Ron DeSantis signed a law, I believe last year, called Stop Woke Act. Now, this is a crazy, (laughs) crazy law that restricts the ability of schools and businesses to have discussions that could essentially make somebody feel guilty as a result of being a certain race. Now, the law never says the term white people, but this was obviously for white people because Ron DeSantis and a lot of um, Republicans do not like that people these days are talking about systemic racism. They are talking about white privilege. They are talking about if you are born black in America, you inherently have a harder time just by virtue of that Mm -hmm. than your white counterpart. They absolutely hate that. So, And kind of to that point, right, you know, this ties into that. This ties into that 
idea and that, you know, sort of just craziness that um, you just laid out. But talk to me about the controversy around AP African-American classes, right, too. Right. Because I feel like that is um, so, like, part and parcel so, right. as to so, like what you just said. So just to sidebar, I think it was a couple months ago, maybe, a federal judge blocked key parts of the Stop Woke Act. He called it positively dystopian because there, first of all, the law was written in a purposely vague way to scare people about things. And so I believe one of the plaintiffs in the case, I believe plaintiffs is the correct term. <laughs> We're not lawyers, um, Was saying Based on the way this law is written, you couldn't necessarily talk about the barriers that faced um, African-American players playing in Major League Baseball and the ones who broke those barriers and the saying that the barriers were put in place because of a society largely um, whose whose rules were dictated by, by white people. It's totally crazy. And as the judge rightly pointed out, DeSantis and the people who crafted these bills, they are deciding what you are allowed to say and what you aren't. Um, mm-hmm. And so with the AP African-American Studies course, as I'm sure many people know, AP courses are college-level courses that um, are taught in high schools, and there is a they're piloting a new course called African-American Studies. So it's not across the country yet. I think, I'm not sure. I think maybe it was in 60 school districts. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, and they're still tweaking it. They're still refining it. And I think it'll be rolled out next year. DeSantis came out earlier this month and said he and his um, education department said, we are not allowing this course to be taught in in Florida. He claimed, first, he said so many things that were objectively <laughs> offensive and absurd and right. scary. And it's crazy. It's offensive. Some, some, neither you or I, we would never say this, but some people might say he's kind of a bigot. He loves to talk about, you know, free speech. He's all about the First Amendment, but he's not really. He only is about the First Amendment and free speech if you are talking about things that he deems acceptable. The scariest thing is, obviously, presidential he, is, he has presidential ambitions. He's looking at the White House. Like, right now, you know, he's doing this to Florida. Sure. There could be a yeah. time where he's doing it to all of America. So, like, let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. Obviously, sure. you know, you have Trump, who's declared... Yes. Uh, he's running for president. Yes. But DeSantis is very much in the mix, yes. in the conversation, yes. in the polls. People right. are talking about him. Oh, yeah. Um, and you recently wrote an awesome piece called oh, A stop. Comprehensive Guide you to Why me. a Ron DeSantis Presidency Would Be as Terrifying as a Trump One. Yeah. So give us a little summary on that. What are, like, <clears throat> why? So some people seem to think that obviously we don't want Trump. But DeSantis is a more acceptable alternative. And obviously, you know that I don't want Trump to ever be president (laughs) again. He is terrible. I think DeSantis is just as bad. And you and I have talked about this. You know, we love just (laughs) getting a coffee and talking about terrible, (laughs) terrible people. He's Possibly, again, this is not an endorsement of Trump being president, but he is 
potentially even more dangerous because he has more likely the ability to get things done. So I just laid right. out the mm-hmm. different, you know, reasons that it would be really fucking scary if he was present. Right. There's the don't say gay stuff. There's the stop woke stuff. He's proudly anti-science. He's going hard, hard on vaccines. He's, I think he has requested a oh, special right. grand jury to in- Is he a chip guy? Does he believe in the chip thing? So here's the thing. I don't think he believes in any of that. He went to Yale and Harvard. He likes right. to pass himself off as An not everyman. a quote-unquote elite, <laughs> but he is. Um, but I think he knows that this is politically popular with some parts of the country. I guess, like, but who is DeSantis's crowd? Like, who are his advisors? Who is his inner circle? Like, what? His wife, reportedly, is... Some people, some people say she... She is heavily, heavily involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know very little about her. Okay. I do have Casey one. Casey DeSantis is her name. Um, I have one anecdote about Casey DeSantis, which is that Matt Gates told me that she taught him how to contour and put makeup on during his television hits during COVID. So That makes sense because you know what? I think, I mean, one, there's a lot of people who know how to contour but she also i believe worked in did she work in local news so that's probably a big thing where you're doing your hits you got to do your own Mm -hmm. makeup so so really right now we're kind of looking you know there are other names that are being thrown about right you hear about nikki haley mike pompeo mike pence uh but really right now it seems as though the two folks whose names are really kind of at the top of the pile in regard to the gop nomination for president are Trump and DeSantis. Right. Talk to me like a little bit about <laughs> the back and forth. Yeah, the back and forth, the state of it, like where like what is this rivalry looking like right now? So about around the midterms, um Trump said something like if he gets in you're going to find out. I know more about him. Like, you know Trump. He speaks right. in mafia terms. You're going to find um, – I know more about him than he knows about himself. I know more about him than maybe his wife. He's probably – he's already started with the nicknames, Ronda Sanctimonious. Right. We heard the other day there was maybe Ronda Shutdown as a reference to COVID shutdowns. So I think, you know, DeSantis is looking at a horse's head in his bed he's gonna wake (laughs) up to pretty soon but yeah it's gonna be a race to the bottom Mm -hmm. he hasn't actually declared yet but like i mean come on he's coming out with a memoir so obviously it's happening (laughs) and there's been reports that they've been talking to potential hires um and so he's able and he probably understands that he's getting under trump's skin so he might as well just let that keep happening (laughs) so anyways i guess that kind of wraps it for for this experiment for this you know this episode of inside the hive with my beautiful colleague Beth levin this episode was produced by will coley steven valentino is our executive producer we had engineering assistance from jake loomis and mike kutchman uh for more news from inside the hive where wall street washington and silicon valley meet be sure to sign up for our newsletter vanityfair.com forward slash newsletter forward slash hive and let us know what you thought about the episode or if you have comments questions tweet us i'm at abigail tracy and bess is at bess levin 
we thought it, it, we hope it went well. We could talk for hours, so yeah. we don't know if it's yeah. good podcasting <laughs> or, or just, just like us, us shooting the shit. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now.